Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is a show where I can talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Today, my special guest, Brian Caswell, he is the head of the Georgia Kangaroos and director of operations of Kangaroo Sports Club. Brian, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's a good day to be alive. Brian, I'm very excited to talk to you about the Kangaroos, obviously. Georgia Kangaroos, talk to you about Kangaroo Sports Club. We're going to start talking about the United States Basketball Championship in a little bit first. Uh, but first, question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports show is, why do you love sports so much? Competition. I mean, I think it's something that's in your blood. And if you love to compete, I mean, it's what keeps you motivated. Um, you know, I think true competitors, they find even the smallest thing that motivates them. And it's what really keeps us going day to day, uh, is that that hunger and drive to be the best. And that's what it. sports is. Yeah. Isn't that great? So did you grow up always being a big basketball fan playing basketball? I'm assuming everything. Yeah. Um, I actually probably my first sport was, uh, believe it or not, was water skiing. I grew up on a lake, and um, I could do everything, trick ski, slalom, barefoot. Uh, I was skiing at a very, very young age. But ultimately, the only sport I did uh, was basketball. You know, I got into it kind of late, uh, probably late elementary school and middle school, and then uh, was lucky to make the eighth-grade basketball team, which was, you know, back then was – you know, that was the first tryout, you know, mm -hmm. you gotta wear a team uniform and, you know, our uh, eighth grade team went 13 and 0, we were county champions. Mm -hmm. And that group of guys, you know, become kind of the ninth grade team, the, the JV team and the varsity team. So, uh, you know, once I started playing on that eighth grade team, you know, I didn't stop until I graduated college. The glory days, man. The glory days of eighth grade basketball. It doesn't get too much better than that. And, and I think it's really cool, right? You know, kind of, the 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 competition aspect of sports right sports teaches a lot of people a lot of different things competitions obviously one of them discipline hard work a lot of this you know i don't want to say generalities but very important life lessons that you really don't get anywhere unless you play sports right it's very difficult to learn those things in other places and so i guess with that you know as you said you learn the competition one thing that's very competitive is also business not just business but finance yeah. And that's kind of where you went after you graduated college. So, so talk yeah. to me a little bit, I guess, about what you found in <laughs> the, the, the connection and correlation between sports, between business, between, you know, business slash finance and how you were able to use those life lessons to, to become successful in that area. Yeah. I would not have been as successful outside of sports if it wasn't for that competitive nature. Um, I was very lucky to find a job after graduation with uh, Bank of America, and it was in their commercial banking department. And I had no idea what banking was. I mean, I didn't even know what an interest rate. I never had a credit card. Um, that's a true story. I remember when I got hired, the first thing I tried to do was get a credit card. I kept getting declined because I had no credit history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, I work for you. <laughs> you pay me a lot of money and I can't get a $200 credit card. But that was, you know, I just didn't know anything about credit and banking and, and loans. And But anyway, uh, but what I did learn quickly was big corporations are just like sports teams. They want to win and they compete and they compete not only against their like competitors in the market, but they also compete internally because you, you have a, 
you know, I think there was like, like 2,000 client managers across the nation with Bank of America, as big as company was. And they ranked those people one through 2,000. So, you know, you had metrics. So metrics to me became like standings or goals. And uh, I remember the first time I, one of my bosses walked in the room after I had settled down and I had this giant whiteboard behind me. And because I was a new guy on the team, I was number like 187. So I had put one all the way down through 187. And I was like, I guess I'm the newest guy, so I have to be dead last. But I'll end up being number one. And, uh, you know, I kept that just marking them off until I made it all into the first time to the one spot. But it was that – that's how I was in basketball. I just wanted to win. You know, it's not – you know, unfortunately for some people, sports aren't that fun. It's, it's, it's too serious. It's too much of a competition. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's kind of how it is. And uh, I'm very competitive. But once I figured out how to kind of take that competitive nature and apply it to the workforce – uh, it made me a very, you know, successful employee. And it definitely, I mean, obviously it worked. And when, when you do put, some people get afraid of that, right? Some people get afraid of that. Hey, I'm in last place. And, and you know, then they can wallow in it. Obviously you took advantage and, and you took, took advantage of the competition to move up, as you said, get all the way to number one. And I'm sure it worked out pretty well for you in your career. As you said, you were a pretty <laughs> darn good employee, but not only that, you know, competition within Bank of America, of course, was one thing. But you eventually left Bank of America to start your own VC fund. Now, what was that like? What's that comp like? How much more heightened was that competition now knowing that you don't have one of the biggest companies in the world kind of with on that business card, right? You don't have one of the biggest companies yeah. in the world. You can't just call up the phone and be like, hey, I need help. Can you help me with this? <laughs> now it's you, maybe you and a couple of partners. But what was that like? And how much more heightened was that competition when you went out there on your own? Well, you're definitely the underdog. I mean, you're, you know, your lack of resources and time and history and, you know, it's hard to compete against giants, um, literally. Yeah. But I think, you know, anybody who's an entrepreneur, what they end up finding themselves doing is uh, sitting around a lot of times saying, well, if this was my company, I would do it this way. Or if this was my business, I would do it this way. And eventually that question just gets proposed in your head too many times and you're always, you know, trying to better yourself as an athlete. What can I do to be better? How can I get better? You're always trying to come up with, you know, more innovative solutions. And, uh, and that's what really leads, I think, to entrepreneurship is people who are willing to, you know, forego the easy ride of just someone handing you what to do versus, you know, it being all on your shoulder. So there's a lot of more risk. There's a lot more reward, too. And, uh, you know, for me, it was just time where I felt like I knew more than the bank <laughs> and uh, I wanted to kind of go out and prove it. And so what what exactly were you capitalizing? What were your what was your venture and what were you trying to uh, raise <laughs> um, money for? A lot of it was the timing. And, uh, you know, you, I don't know how what your audience age is, but uh, in 2007, you know, we were going into the Great Recession. And, and that great recession was due hundred percent because of banks hmm. and because of their lending practices. Um, I know because I was, I saw it from inside. It was insane how much loans we were making and, and, and how easy it was and valuations going up and up and up. Like you, you had, you, you knew at some point the carousel was going to stop. Somebody was going to be left without a chair and it was going to crash. Um, so that being said, 
you know, uh, I saw the window of opportunity in a moment of crisis where I knew banks were going to stop lending. And my passion really is to help small businesses. I'd always enjoy getting to talk to a business owner, hearing their passion, their stories. I mean, there are some people who have, you know, everybody, it's like same thing with sports, right? Everybody only sees the outcome, the success. No one sees what it takes to get there. You know, the hours and hours in the gym, they just see the winning shot and you getting the trophy, you know? So same thing in businesses, man. I've met business owners that had lost their homes, lost everything, slept on couches, slept in cars, you know, for years and years, and then finally became multi-multi-millionaires. I mean, it's, it's insane. Everybody knows them when they're rich, but no one knew them when they were struggling. Um, so those are the guys that I always tried to help. And when I knew banks, banks were never in the business of helping small businesses. They're not mm-hmm. today. They weren't then. It's just not their, it's not their, their place. You know, you hear about it a lot of times, like, oh, the backbone of America, small businesses. That ain't, I mean, it's true for our economy. But as far as the institution of financing, we're not in the venture capitalist world, and therefore they're not really set up to help small businesses. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> uh, when I knew banks were going to stop lending to small businesses, I wanted to create a company that helps small businesses with access to capital. And we did it through two companies. Um, I did it through one, a private company that we did raise private money to help support those small businesses and, and, and loans or venture deals. And then we had a nonprofit <clears throat> that we worked to try to get like grants and, and stuff like that were there that was there to help small businesses as well. So the idea was like you could raise fifty million I mean fifty thousand dollars and you might be able to get a grant for fifty thousand dollars. Now you have a hundred thousand dollars. The investor is gonna want more because your cost of funds are higher the mm-hmm. on the nonprofit side, the cost of funds are lower. So the customer gets a blended rate. You, uh, um, you know, and, and you, now you have doubled the type of uh, funding to help businesses. And it was a model. Like I said, we, we proved that it worked. Um, honestly, just eight, you know, I felt like not to get into politics too much because I don't want to have hate mail by the end of the day. Uh, you know, the Obama administration was just very flat for like eight years, our economy. And although we, you know, American spirit was trying to get recovered and going and back, it just, it was really flat. Like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I just, I, I felt like it was probably the right time to start the business, but the wrong time to try, try to make it work. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and then ultimately throughout those, you know, a decade of doing that. Um, you know, a lot of companies that had failed, uh, I ended up was taking have running and managing. And then we had a couple of those businesses that started doing really, really well. So some of my time got devoted more into growing a company versus helping other small businesses with financing mm-hmm. and such. And then, um, and then also we had kind of a nail in the coffin moment, uh, after, uh, the hurricane that came through in 2017, that there was uh, no return. So I kind of knew my future horizon of, you know, of all these uh, ventures were not going to survive. And, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And that's when I kind of got the phone call, you know, do you want to go over to Germany to uh, get involved with some basketball? And uh, (laughs) it was a really good time. So I said, yes, I'll be there tomorrow. Timing, timing is everything. I think, and and, and you know, hey, I, I I understand. It's pretty awesome that you were able to go out 
and try and create that venture capital, as you said, from that point of view, helping those small businesses, that was the goal. And clearly you were capable of doing that. Obviously, again, though, things did happen that prevented you from being as successful as you would like in it. But as you said, timing's everything. You got that nail in the coffin. It's very unfortunate, but you did get a pretty cool phone call too. So you go over to Germany. What, what, I guess, what was the reason to go over there? And, you know, I guess we can start tying this thing back into basketball soon. Yeah. Um, well, my best friend had a, uh, his name is Ian Chadwick growing up, man. He was a, a one year grade younger to me, but really kind of my big brother. Uh, always made me work as hard as I could. His work ethic was through the roof, which is as a teenager, you don't understand. You're like, man, why can't I get this guy to come over and play video games or like, you know, go to a girl, go to a party with a bunch of girls. But now you look back, you're like, man, you know, he did it right. But uh, he had a very successful career. He was, uh, you know, probably one of the greatest players to play at Walford College in uh, South Carolina, and uh, and then played a little bit in the, the D League right when it started, but then ultimately ended up overseas. Um, his life passion had kind of changed. Um, you know, he's a, he's he's a very uh, religious, devoted person, and he was doing some great work over in Europe with some churches and and, and outreach. Uh, so his his focus, I think, was. Some on that, and uh, and but also he uh, he just became the head coach of a basketball team um, in the uh, uh, third league in Germany, and the Reanalogy League, a team called the uh, Top Star Kangaroos, uh, just out of Munich, <clears throat> in the city of Augsburg, and um, so it was just amazing. Like first of all, I, I hadn't seen him in a long time, so the chance to just to be with him and his family, um, you know, he's such a dear friend. It was great to be over there with him, but then ultimately, you know, it was it was a it was business. I mean, I was there uh, to do anything like a com- again the competitive nature on my side. I don't think they really knew who I was or what I could bring to the table, but you know, I was going to do everything I can to help make players better, help make the team better, help make the club you know get more fans, uh, get more sponsors. Uh, I was just running around you know on the trains and everywhere all day long trying to you know promote the basketball and help the players, whether it was in the weight room or in the gym. Uh, you know, it was really nice to have that freedom of, like, not having a schedule, you know, or anything like that. So, I, as a, you know, truly for the first time, 100% dedicated to, like, coaching and being involved in basketball, I could meet one player at 5 a.m. in the morning who wanted to shoot, another one at 11 o'clock at night that wanted to, uh, you know, work out and watch film during the day with another player and then, spend in between time, you know, handing out flyers. Uh, it was just, you know, you know, just basketball almost 24 seven. And, and with something like that, I mean, going over to a foreign country, uh, you know, obviously one that you, you are not, maybe you're familiar with Germany. I, I don't know, but when you do something like that, especially going from, you know, the corporate, the, the most corporate, corporate America, right. From, from bank of America to then owning your own VC, firm and doing what you need to do there and probably moving a million hours, you know, a million hours in a day and and then going to a third league basketball team in Germany. Uh, and I hope there's no, I'm not putting any disrespect on that by saying it, but like, what what is that like personally, emotionally, and kind of just saying like, all right, it was, was it, did you kind of look at it as a vacation? It's like, Hey, I'm going to go do this for a little while. This will be fun. And then I'll, I'll come back and figure stuff out. Or, or was it like, Hey, this is now finally my opportunity to work in basketball, do what I want to do and, and actually enjoy every aspect of my life. 
yeah, it certainly wasn't a vacation. And uh, I, I don't know how to relax like that or have one of those. Uh, it's been so many years. Since I, I don't know, the last, maybe spring break my junior year in high school. Last time I've taken a vacation like that. But, uh, no, it was all work. But one point I'd like to really emphasize is something you just said. Uh, I did not know anything about Germany. I had never really been outside of the country. I'm not I'm, – I'm from Georgia. I'm, this, I'm a southern boy. You know, we know South Carolina, Florida, Alabama, North Carolina pretty well. Uh, outside of that, I mean, the world is just – you know, we don't – I don't have that much pay attention to it because I don't live in it. Um, so everything to the whole Germany experience, to the Europe experience, to it was brand new to me. And uh, I think that's an important thing because I, I hear it all the time here in America, like I want to go overseas. And I'm always wondering, like, where, how are they basing that? This, you know, because they've never been. And you know, I think all the assumption is the grass is always greener on the other side. It's not. I mean – and I don't want to turn this into a, you know, European bashing or disrespectful to anybody over there. But, you know, us Americans that ha have been over there, we usually find each other really quick. And the first thing we start talking about is, man, you know, is you, are, you, are you going through this? Or is like, mm -hmm. you know, we start talking about the differences between America and here. And, and most people are really homesick. They miss their families. They miss everything from their home. Uh, their living conditions. Now, yeah, and you mentioned there are a lot of uh, – one thing people don't realize is their way of basketball, the word pro is not always equal to the NBA. You know, it's not even equal to the college or high school sometimes. So you can go play in a pro league over there, but that doesn't mean it's a good gym or where they're keeping you is a, is a nice place or even the city itself, you know. So um, – I learned a lot, like, you know, just everybody always says when I, when I, I use the word different, they immediately say, oh, you didn't like it. I, say, I, didn't, I didn't say that. Uh, and the German people are very nice. It's, I think it's great to see other cultures and learn stuff. But when you start just doing comparisons, um, we in America are very unique in, some, in a lot of ways, and they are very unique in their ways, in their habits, and how they do business. But the, the greatest experience for me was having learned now both sides of the coin. Like, I didn't know anything about international sports clubs and how they operated and what their leagues did and how they ran their leagues and all that stuff. Um, and I guarantee if you ask nine out of ten basketball players here in America about what is a club, they don't even know. They wouldn't mm -hmm. know. Um, so – Having the experience of learning both, then I was able to really, again, going back to my entrepreneur side and just my like, hmm, how can we do things better? You know, what could be different and start looking at what in America, if you had that this philosophy implemented in an American system, it'd be a lot better. And then vice versa, you start seeing places like holes in their system, like well, in America, we do do it a little better by, so you start combining the both of them in your head and that's and that's what really you know got me um like almost immediately started coming with the idea of kangaroo sports club and so when when did you eventually make it back to georgia and, and put all of these ideas together how long does that process even take yeah so it was about a year of development i returned um december 2000 
18. And I spent all of 2019 trying to find a home for the for the Kangaroo Sports Club. And when I say all the year, I mean, I went to like eight different counties, uh, probably a dozen cities, talking to churches, schools, rec centers. I mean, anybody that we thought we could build our programs in an area that we could develop a fan base mm-hmm. and have – a facility that we could grow in. And uh, unfortunately, nothing was available. And then we found the city of Stonecrest in the, uh, like really in November of 2019. Um, They had just purchased a rec center because they just became a brand new city. Uh, So they had, you know, it was a great timing for us. Got really lucky. Uh, the mayor, Mayor Larry over there is a great guy, and the rest is the team. So uh, Kangaroos started having practices, and then we played our first game January 19th. I think it was MLK weekend um, at that Browns Mill Rec Center in Stonecrest, uh, our first game ever. And, uh, and that was in 2000, the start of 2000. And then I can clearly remember – Two events, like one, we had a practice in March and we were laughing about COVID. Yeah. I think some of the guys were making jokes like uh, black people don't get it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, I'll just show you how much we did not know. We didn't know yep. at the time. And then our very last game, we played on the road and uh, we won very large. Uh, we were up like, I think, 70 at some point. Oh. And the team, yeah, we the team, and um, like a minute left, I happened to be close to their coach. And I said, let's, let's not – shake hands after the game. And they looked at me like I was crazy. You know, like I, I was a jerk. And uh, I said, no, I said, you have you heard of this COVID thing? Like maybe it's, you know, not maybe good. Let's, is, touch each other, let's touch each other less. And uh, it ended up happening anyway. But then uh, it was like two days later, the city closed our gym and our gym has still been closed since. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's unfortunate timing to say the least, uh, right? Yeah, there's so many things that happened in those first few months of 2020 that looked very promising and looked like a lot of fun. And then here we are um, beginning of 2021, many things still shut down, unfortunately. And I guess yeah. with with that, right, like with you know putting all the work, the effort, the energy into something like this, actually seeing it come to fruition and then pretty much getting it taken away because of something completely out of your control. There's nothing you could have done about that. How frustrating is it seeing, especially, you know, wins like that and, and seeing the, okay, we did all of this. We found the partner we needed. We did this, we did that. You know, you're, again, you're going back to your entrepreneurial spirit. How frustrating is that? Well, first of all, if you know, know me, my personality and as a character, uh, I have a long history of choosing basketball first. I've almost missed wed- family's weddings, uh, graduations. Uh, if I'm on the court playing, I'm not leaving. Um wow. I've always just been that kind of guy and the basketball has been the most important thing in my life. And I'm still, even though I don't play as much as I like to anymore, you know, I'm a player at heart first and then a coach second. So I can't imagine as a player what it was like to have it taken away from me. But I mean, for me, I will personally say it was getting to become some of the most darkest days of my life. Um, I, I did do the self-quarantine as well as I could that first couple of months. But by May and June, I was going absolutely crazy. Um, 
you know, and it's still kind of going crazy. The fact that I just cannot get to a gym and shoot 10, three throws, um, privately, quietly. Now we have access to like an LA fitness, which is open 24, you know, all the time. And there's 300 people, you know, in one gym. So, you know, there's people all around you, balls bouncing everywhere. It's chaotic. It's crazy. Uh, you can do that, but I can't go into, get into a gym, you know, uh, just, you know, it's like me, one, me and one player just work on like form shooting or something like that. It's, it's really frustrating. Uh, it does test your patience. And then I think the worst is, is, uh, you know, I was someone who I really believed we were going to, we, we had won like seven games in a row. We were about to enter into a summer league, um, some basketball league that was, uh, you know, they had a championship at the end. I think we were – I mean, I felt very confident we, we could have won that championship. And, and then the TBT. We were, uh, you know, very much wanting to get in a TBT after the year before being the first team that got cut from TBT. Um, and then you get in there and who knows what happens, you know. You, uh, so we missed out on some major things, plus summer uh, leagues. Uh, that are really with a lot of when the, pro, the the whole basketball world just got totally messed up because there was mm-hmm. no basketball is a very structured year round sports right you have your seasons like in the fall and winter and then you have your summer league which is where you recruit you know where you see guys and then that's when you start really trying to figure out what guys are going to start playing for next year well you know we didn't have that summer period so. It's been really, you know, we, a lot of players missed out. We missed out. And uh, I'm just hoping that, you know, we can get back to playing soon and, and end this kind of drought. Yeah, much sooner rather than later. And and so when you and I first connected, shout out, if I'm not mistaken, Rob Cressy for putting us in contact with each other. He reached out and said, hey, Brian's doing this really cool thing. You should talk to him about it. And I know you're a part of it. So I do want to learn a little bit more about the United States basketball championship. So as you were saying before, when you went over to Europe, you know, you were in, you were working in the third league, German, you know, third German league, essentially. So if anyone's familiar with soccer, they do it a lot, right? The premier league. And then yeah. if you, you can get relegated, so you move down a league or you can get promoted and, and you move up a league. And here in the United States, we have four major leagues and that's it. We have the G league, but it's more of a feeder system and a minor league yeah. system. Obviously we have minor league baseball. We don't have any, we have college football for football. Let's be honest on that one. Um, but there's no like lower leagues, right? So we're starting to see the XFL pop up a little bit. They're not connected to the, uh, the NFL, yeah. but it's still the opportunity to have a spring football league for guys that couldn't quite make the NFL. And so when you look at the European model and kind of how, that's worked for as long as it has, has, especially with soccer and basketball. Basketball is obviously very big over there. How, how did you look at that and say, I want to like, where did this idea for the United States basketball championship? Like, how did you get that to come to fruition and really sell people on this idea? Because it is literally foreign to us over here in the United States. <laughs> that is, I like that. It is foreign. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, it, it came for, I guess, it came out of really two things. One, you're absolutely right. The international model is very well structured from top to bottom. Um, you clearly know who are the top 10 teams, 20 teams, 30, you know, um, <clears throat> throughout the country. And then, you know, Europe being that most of our countries are a lot smaller than some of our states here, 
the entire Europe. You know, they have things like Europe League, uh, Euro Cup, and um, Euro Cup and Euro League. Excuse me, mm-hmm. where they basically countries can play in their domestic league. Like I can play in my German league Pro A, but I'm also playing in the Euro Cup against mm-hmm. all the teams in Europe. When I, well, why would they do that? Because they don't want to know if they're just the best team in Europe. They want to know if they're the best team. I mean, best team in Germany. They want to know the best team in Europe. Like, ah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, it is unfortunate that, you know, the United States is the only country that has a closed, lease, low, a closed league system, meaning if you want to get in the NBA, the only way to do it is buy a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's ever going to move up. But then coming back over here, you know, again, going back to the competitive nature, um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to have a basketball team, the Georgia Kangaroos. And um, Georgia, because where I'm from, you know, I honor my state. And then obviously the Kangaroos as a contribute to the team in Germany, you know, to kind of help get things launched. So contribute to them because people always ask me why there's no Kangaroos in Georgia. I know that. <laughs> um, but there is a basketball team here, name one. Uh, I don't think we can do any more bulldogs and yellow jackets and stuff like yeah, that. There's only so many of those. There's only so many names, uh, right? So you just pick it, go with it, and hope you can grow and grow it. Um, but, you know, when I started looking at the landscape in America, uh, you know, I just like, well, man, as a competitor, like who's the best team here in the United States? And nobody could answer that question. I mean, just nobody. I'm like, can you even name a professional basketball team in the United States that's not on the NBA or NRG League? And, and like very few people could even do that. And that was really disappointing to me because in Germany – the one constant thing I kept reminding myself was like, I live in a country that very few people like sports. And if they do, it's soccer. They love soccer. So basketball was extremely hard to make work, but they did it very well. Come over to the United States where we have all the resources, money, passion, ambition, players, people. We have lots more people. We love basketball so much here. It's such a big sport, and we don't have anything but 30 NBA teams. It's nuts. Um, so, you know, uh, the, I, I evaluated, you know, just like one of what is it, where is the Georgia Kangaroos going to play and stuff like that. And that's why a group and then USBN, when I started hearing about them coming up um, with their model, I mean, their whole thing was to try to help teams and players. Versus, like, from an owner and coach perspective, uh, leagues who want me to play for them, they just want me to pay their their, their fee, their registration fee or entry fee. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what is it you're going to do to help me? And they always look at me like, what do you mean? You know, I'm not – we're not here to help. We're just here to collect your check. And that was unacceptable, you know, to me. And it didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. I mean, the Jacksonville Giants are a great – professional basketball team here. But when they win the NBA, I mean, the ABA, they're just a winner of the ABA. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the Syracuse Stallions, a great team up in New York. They just recently went to the TBL. Mm -hmm. But when they win the TBL, they're nothing more than the winner of the TBL. Um, Probably one of the better leagues in America as far as structured and well-organized, in my opinion, has been the East Coast Basketball League ran by Chris Thomas. But, and he has a team that has been in uh, TBT a couple of times. 
and they've won their league like tons. But again, they're just a big fish in a small pond. When they win, they win, uh, you know, just their league. So when I saw the opportunity to play in something that was that kind of an open invitation, uh, meaning that they evaluate your business, your your uh, team, the USBN, the United States Basketball Network, and then they ask you to participate. It's open to everybody. They don't care what league you play in. They don't care how you know. Uh, they just want the best teams to come in and play in a fair competition. That at the end of the day uh, is going to name a winner. And that's what I have. I have put together a team from day one with all the players with the expectation that guys, we want to be known as the number one professional basketball team in the United States outside of the, outside of the NBA. Mm -hmm. That has been our goal as an organization. We recruit players on that. Um, and so we were saying it as a team, but we didn't know where and how to do it. And then, you know, with all the pandemic stuff, there's so many new changes and stuff like that with this United States basketball championship starting uh, here in about two more weeks. And it goes through July if you win it all. Uh, it's, it's the greatest home for us to play at. And, uh, you know, we, we very much hope to uh, win it and feel like we can. But we know we're going to you know, at least be playing on that big stage uh, with that opportunity to uh, to claim that right to be the best pro team in the United States. That is awesome. So it starts in two weeks, as you said, and it's going to run for a little while, obviously, um, if it's starts in January and ends in July. Uh, it seems like there's a couple, uh, you know, little, little while to get there. So what is how, how is the tournament going to work? Is it, you know, round robin group stage like the World Cup and then we go to a knockout round? Is it just straight knockout? How exactly is it March Madness? Like how how is it going to work over the next few months to figure out who is the best pro team in America outside of the NBA? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, kudos for the USBN, you know, like so many people saying we're going to find a way to make it work versus just hiding mm -hmm. inside our basement. Um, you know, with COVID, it's been hard. I think they wanted to start with like eight, uh, uh, eight regions with eight teams nationwide. So 64 competing teams, competing teams. And uh, it ended up being four regions and 32 teams. And the biggest reason is, I think, just when you really look at the landscape of, of America, there's a ton of basketball up in New York. There's a ton of basketball in the Georgia, Southeast. Texas has a lot of basketball going on. And, um, and then the kind of the Southwest area. Outside of that, um, you know, it's, it's harder uh, to find quality teams and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some kind of Midwest area, but, if, but this year – I don't think anybody from the Midwest is really competing. So you kind of have that New York, you know, uh, Southeast, and then across kind of the, the West, uh, South border uh, going out to the West Coast. And uh, so round one, yeah, you in your region, you play everybody once and the top four teams advance. So round two, the top four teams, again, play each other once. And then round three, the top uh, the top two teams advance to the regional finals, and they play a best two out of three series. Um, and then whoever wins that advances to reach to round four, which now brings in all regions. Plus, I hear they're going to add three more teams to make another eight. Mm -hmm. uh, so there'll be another eight, and you start over. You know, eight goes to four, 
and then four goes to two. And I think the championship is uh, the best three out of five. And the one thing I really love about it, the layout, is one, obviously, you're, you know, whoever wins deserves it. I mean, they've beaten everybody continuously, kind of like, you know, the NBA, you're best out of seven. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you win four out of seven, you're the better team. You know, I mean, you've you beat them four times. Um, kind of the same concept. But uh, but also, you know, you play home and away. So it really gives you an opportunity to, you know, take advantage of these games that mean a lot. Every game matters to have it in front of your home crowd. And, you know, versus like if someone invited me to go play a tournament in New York, I, I you know, I would want to. But the problem is, like, my fans aren't going to travel there. I'm not going to make mm-hmm. money because, you know, we're not going to get anything from up there and then not having a game, you know, I don't I don't make any money. And, you know, this is a business, so we have to look at that. Uh, so having home games. And then the other is, you know, I think by playing teams more than one stuff, you can really start to try to maybe find some rivalries, uh, which I think is missing in our area. Like, uh, I really, you know, I think uh, we could probably do better if some teams really started playing each other you know, home and away every mm-hmm. year. And and really like uh like for example, you're up in New York area, right? Uh yep. shout out to you know the Syracuse Stallions. Uh we every every once in a while we'll get on a Facebook kind of a chat war going back and forth talking trash. And um, you know, some people I guess take it too serious. Mm-hmm. Um what I really hope to do is one day I do believe we will be traveling up there to play them. And and, and when we do I hope everybody and Syracuse comes to watch because they hate us, you know, and and vice versa. I hope they come down here and because, you know, it was such a big game there. It's a big game here. And that's how they make their money. That's how we make our money, you know, by having home games and the better and bigger home games you can have, the better it's going to help your team. And I think the USBN, because there really are dedicated in, 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 in marketing and promoting the teams and the players, that they're going to eventually help the Georgia Kangaroos to have better games, which ultimately helps us have a better budget to, uh, you know, pay players and grow and grow our, our business. I love it, man. I love it. That is awesome. And so where, where can we find out more information? Where can we watch the games? How do, how do I, how do I go about doing that? Especially if it's going to be this long of a tournament. Yeah. So uh, I'm giving you some inside information as because I'm a team, <laughs> Okay. I know two things. Uh, one of our sponsors is called Nothing But Net 23, NBN 23. They are a, a global company that does a stat collection, and they have an app called Swoosh. Uh, it's almost very similar to like NBA.com. Mm-hmm. That is going to be the app that's going to have all the standings, uh, all the teams, all the rosters, and all the stats, which is what everybody cares about, right? Stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the one thing that uh, MB N twenty three does is a stack collection uh, software, and it's really cool. It's really, I've, we've seen it, but uh, the USBN is going to train people on that system, okay. and then pay to have those people come to the games and collect stats, which is uh, huge. Because I will tell you, I will I, I can't find people locally to to work the score table. Yep. And at best, what usually happens is you get somebody's girlfriend or, or wife or, or dad to do it. And then about the only thing they can do is keep together a score and files. 
I've been and, that guy and, once or twice. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so we're going to have good stats. And then as far as um, uh, televised, I know that has really changed throughout kind of their thing. Um, but I think what they're going to try to do is actually have people on site to film it and then put it on their YouTube pages. Uh, it may not be the whole live feed because mm -hmm. what we've kind of learned in basketball, right, is people like to see quick highlights, like who won, who did what. And then very few people sit down and watch, you know, a whole game anymore. So I think, you know, the, the goal is for the USBN is to film everything so we have the live game, but then to kind of edit it and put it on their channels. And then also uh, the USBN partnership is with Sinclair Broadcast Group, which is Fox wow. Sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so impressive. At some point, we don't know when this is going to happen. Uh, it could be championship. It could be their stuff. Yeah, they're going to pick some games. And I have to imagine, you know, for myself personally, trying to be involved in TBT for two years and understanding how they work and, 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 and you know, and also, you know, with the Georgia Kangaroos, it's business, right? I mean, they're going to look at, like, the matchups, you know, the area, the fan base, the analytics, like all those business decisions to say, why are we going to put Georgia Kangaroos versus – the North Alabama War Dogs on, you know, Fox Sports South Saturday night. Um, the answer is going to be because, like, you know, two great teams have you know a lot of follower support, stuff like that. So really, I uh, I know once the schedule gets released, and we as teams right now are, are finalizing our schedules. We know our opponents, but we're finalizing the days, the times, and the venues. Um. And, and then, uh, uh, then I know they'll hopefully be able to pick a couple of days to, uh, you know, maybe, you know, have some of those games on national channel. Because, I mean, as a team, the only two things I can ask for is the opportunity to get exposure and the opportunity to earn money. Mm -hmm. And what the USPN is doing is both. They're putting teams on television or at least giving them exposure through their network. Or, and then the other is as they're using all of us teams and strength in numbers – to get sponsors, uh, you know, just like you mentioned, those four major leagues mm -hmm. in America. I mean, they pay the teams, teams play the players. And our space, we've kind of lost our ways where somehow they got players paying the team and teams playing the paying the leagues, and that business model does not work. No. So the USBN, you know, that's, that's, they got prize money. They have other, I think, awards for the winner. Uh, how do they get that? Well, now they have a big enough package to sell, you know, nationwide. It's not just – and I know this very well for Georgia King Roots. It's very hard for me to try to walk into a, say, Coca-Cola or Home Depot, you know, great companies right here in Georgia and say, hey, would you support our team? They're like, no, you know, you're too small. Um, but if, if the USBN walks in and says we got 32 teams competing in – over a hundred and you know almost two over two hundred games over seven months, and you know in venue out of venue advertising with, uh, you know it's a lot more impressive package, and uh, and that's what gets sponsorships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and being you know being the coach, being the owner, the director of operations, you got to make sure that you guys are making money, right? And we actually have our good friend Lou over here in the comments. He dropped the uh, Georgia Kangaroos website, so anybody out there definitely go check uh -huh. that out. 
Uh, so we appreciate that. And then he says, no offense, but he keeps coming back to money. Of course, of course yeah. you got to come back yeah. to money because you need to make the money. Well, uh, well, I think that part is very important because if you're not making the money, you can't pay the players. And now obviously this is semi-pro, correct? Is that like the correct term I can use? So, I don't like that word. Uh, okay. I don't know what well, anything is. I say professional. And, and like, and then here goes back some information for people who don't understand. The word professional overseas means that you're over 18. That's it. Mm-hmm. Once you turn 18 and you play anywhere, that's professional. Under 18 is all those under 17, under 16. That's just it's all done by age. So I didn't realize that here we think professional is getting paid. Mm-hmm. But the, the two comments I make on the money, one, you know, we have to pay for the gym. We have to mm-hmm. pay for the refs. We have to pay for the insurance. We have to pay, you know, for the staff, um, you know, things like that. So it does cost money to have games. Uh, number two, players want to get paid. And that's the number one conversation when it comes to money. Uh, players, you know, they they feel like they deserve to get paid, and they do because they work extremely hard. And it's insane that James Harden can make $40 million in one season, and I'm sitting here trying to budget guys yep. a one-time payment of $1,000 or $500. And I'm not embarrassed to say those numbers because I would say 99% of the teams don't pay their players anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm like in the 1%, I believe, just because we do have several players that have received compensation. And that was only this year. It didn't happen last year, uh, our first year, because it was uh, the budget wasn't there. We didn't have sponsors. Uh, actually, we had one sponsor, and if it wasn't for that sponsor – we would have never had our season because without that, without that money, that paid for our uniforms in game mm-hmm. one. And without that money, we would never have had uniforms. And, and then the other is, you know, I always tell our players, uh, guys, if we're not doing this to try to, you know, get people to pay to come watch us play, then we might as well just be a rec team. You know, we might as mm-hmm. well just go play in the park because all we're doing is just, you know, playing basketball. But we're all trying to get, you know – whatever our, our objectives are accomplished and uh and unfortunately in the world it takes it takes money and that's probably the number one thing that hurts uh teams is the ones who, who get into it and then they realize how quickly it's, it's expensive i mean we just traveled up to south Carolina, myrtle beach south carolina right before christmas and mm-hmm. played a team called the coastal elite pirates um you know i rented a bus uh, it took about $200 for the gas. Uh, we paid, you know, dinner for the player. We left at 6 a.m. in the morning. We got up there about 2 o'clock, and we played the game at 3, and then we got home about 1 a.m. You know, so it was a, it was a long day. It was an expensive day. Like I said, you know, I had to rent a van, um, had to fill it up, had to give guys something to eat. And uh, But, you know, we went up there. We won. And I love the time that we spend together in a bus. Um, so we, we want to definitely travel more. But every time we travel, it costs money. And uh, the problem is we only make money when we have really home games. Right now, the only way to make money is, you know, like having a home game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to kind of make sure we have enough home games to help pay for, um, you know, those away games. And, and we're just talking buses. I mean, you know. 
So if we wanted to go play a fly and we'd probably stay overnight. So it gets even a little bit more expensive. So yeah, I mean, the root of all evil is the money. You know, we love the sport, the passion, but in the day, we still got to buy tennis shoes. We still got to buy uniforms. We still got to buy basketballs and uh, those things, you know, I haven't been able to figure out how to get those in barter. <laughs> you, you have to do what you have to do, man. But Brian, this has been absolutely fantastic. So where can, um, you said we can find some of the info on the YouTube page and through that application, where is, uh, what's the website, uh, for the, the Georgia kangaroos. I know I put that over in the comments before, uh, Georgia kangaroos and the United States basketball championship. Where can we go and find a little bit more information? Yeah. The U S the United States basketball network website is www.usbn.com dot pro pro okay yep and that's a good website and plus i think they do a very good job with their uh, social media um uh, twitter facebook mm -hmm. instagram youtube and then the georgia kangaroos um you know yeah georgiakangaroos.com and from there you know we have our facebook uh instagram twitter mm -hmm. and youtube page but i'll tell you i mean like 99% of the times what happens in our space, I get a text message from a team. You want to play us? And I, yes. When next Saturday, I mean, that's, you know, how our kind mm -hmm. of, you know, how we, we operate. Uh, so what I, I do wish to hopefully get our true schedule ahead of time so that we can get some things printed. Mm -hmm. We can start putting in on Facebook as events and Google business as events uh, for some social media, but you know, right now it's, uh, you know, we probably don't really know the finals until like a week for the game. <laughs> and then, I mean, you know, uh, just because of COVID yeah. and there's been so many changes I've heard, like, uh, I've seen a lot of teams in the, in the USBC ha that have, uh, dropped, you know, accepted and then dropped out. And I believe the number one reason is just, you know, they're still watching, they don't have a gym to play or an area. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, I also worry about, you know, finance again. I mean, you, you look at how much the money the NBA has lost, how much college, I mean, college, you know, the NCAA has lost by not having March Madness. Those guys can absorb those type of losses. Mm -hmm. I don't think our teams can, and we can't afford to go have our own bubble, you know, like even the G leagues. Wait, you mean, you mean you don't have $180 million? No, no. Man, that's crazy. That is crazy. If I did, I promise I would build a gym in a bubble and we Love would play it. basketball all the time. <laughs> that, that is fantastic, man. And yeah, it's, it's obviously difficult for, you know, minor league teams, independent leagues. You know, I'm, I'm probably about five minutes away from a baseball stadium where there's an independent team. They're actually not independent anymore. They actually just signed a deal with the Yankees. So now they're the double A affiliate. So they're going to be fine. But prior to that, they were just an independent baseball team in an independent baseball league. And it's one of those things where, you know, I want to support them, but I can't yeah. because there's really not much I can do at this point. So, uh, you know, you we're, we're, we're all crossing our fingers. Obviously, baseball is going through its own shit right now. So hopefully yeah. it all works out. But, um, Brian, this is this has been awesome, man. I sincerely do appreciate your time today. Almost an hour here talking with me, chatting with me about the business of, I guess, minor league professional basketball. You don't hear about that too, too often. So thank you for that. Where can everyone find you on the Internet in case they want to check out some of the stuff that you got rocking with? <laughs> Georgia kangaroos, Any, you know, I'm, I am the Georgia kangaroos Love and, it. and blood and, and heart. Um, I have my pulse on everything, you know, through. So anybody who 
contacts us through our website, social media. Um, I make sure I review it, make sure to answer it. You know, we got some staff that helps here and there, but uh, a lot of times it's me. And, uh, you know, because I'm still very much in that phase of wanting to make sure things done are done the best possible way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes to make sure things get done, it's just better to do it yourself. So, um, uh, you know, that's where I am right now. And, uh, you know, I'm just part of the Georgia Kangaroos. You know, we're blessed. We just put a, a blog out on our website about our players, all 12 of them. Man, we're super excited about the roster that we have. A uh, little concerned about, you know, the, the lack of time we've we've been on the court as mm-hmm. a group. Uh, that burned us our first year. Like our um, – you know, we just didn't, we never had a practice. And that's the reality it is, you know, guys have families and jobs and everybody's different trying to, you know, coordinate everything with when can you get in the gym and make it fit all 12 guys schedule is never going to be impossible really. Um, but we got, you know, we got players who uh, are very talented, extremely talented and, and focused on the mission. So um, I'm really excited about the team that we have this year. And I just, you know, I pray that we just can just do our job, do our business and, and play ball. Because, uh, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's more than just what we love. It's fun. I mean, to us, it is a job. It is work. We take it very serious. And, you know, people are like, oh, you're just mad because you can't go play. Um, you know, I never have just gone play. I've always gone to go work on my skill. And that's what I try to tell my players. Like, you know, don't just go in the gym for the sake of going to the gym. Go in there, work on something, whether it's ball handling, whether it's shooting, passing, uh, agility, you know, have a goal, you know, go in there and get better, you know, and uh, otherwise you're kind of wasting your time and stuff. So, you know, we don't go in there just always just have fun and play. We go in there to, you know, like anybody, you want to get better at what you do, you got to practice it. It's a business, man. You're a businessman. So let's get to it, guys. So make sure to go follow Brian, everything Georgie Kangaroos online. Uh, if you could follow me at Michael one on Twitter, if you haven't already, please click the like button here on YouTube. Comment wherever the heck you are. Uh, appreciate Lou. He's in there. Lou's trying to look for a job. I like that, Lou. I respect it. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk to Brian. Don't worry. I got you, man. Um, and if you could, if you're listening to this on the audio podcast, just give us a five-star review. That's pretty is that, a, is that a job as a player or a job in the organization? Uh, he asks, uh, can I help with the blogs? Uh, I've read it. I was actually just on Lou's show last week. Lou's a nice guy. So I'm going to make sure uh, once this is over and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll connect you guys. But sincerely, everybody, thank you so much for watching. Brian, really do appreciate your time. And I uh, look forward to talking to everybody soon. Thank you. Have a good one.